Hi, this is Justin. I have a variety of concerns. Hello, welcome to I Have a Variety of Concerns, a podcast where your hosts discuss any multitude of issues from conspiracy theories to pop culture to ancient history. You never know what's going to happen. Welcome to I Have a Variety of Concerns. I'm your host, Justin, along with Chandel. Okay, so we were talking about yesterday, briefly, about potential implications of the increased use of AI in a variety of uh, areas. I started talking about like marketing and business stuff, and then um, I had AI write a children's story for me, and it took five seconds, and it was a, it wasn't half bad, um, but then. You know, what are the implications of that? Do we want to talk about that? We can talk about that. So for those of you who don't know, AI is artificial intelligence, and it is becoming far more prevalent than any of us expected at this day and age, Um, unless you listen to Robert Jemeckis and uh, Back to the Future. We have AI doing all kinds of things from... Uh, simple voiceover work to artwork to writing essays and marketing pieces and what does that mean for us in the industry that uses such things or produces such things so what is it doing to us so yesterday when we were talking about it, I equated it to the industrial age and automation on factory lines and how uh, robot automation took jobs away from factories because now you have arms doing the work that an actual human once did. And there was pushback at first, but eventually we adjusted and those people worked in other areas. But now what is AI going to do for us? Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because what we're seeing you know, we've seen technology uh, take the place of um, like mechanical tasks or physical tasks, I guess. But now what we're seeing is like it's encroaching on the creative space. And so when you look at the fact that before, like it was easy, I don't know what I'm saying. Why am I feeling weird? <laughs> So I guess it's our first time doing this. Yeah. It's okay. So I think it's interesting because before when we've seen the advancement of technology, we've seen technology advance in a way that like it was doing things that we couldn't necessarily do, right? Like the telephone, like it's not like people can be telephones. So there's no replacement of, I don't know. Have you ever played the telephone? Right. Right. We're terrible at it. Right. So like having, having technology do that for us was like, yeah, this is a no brainer, but there were people who were freaked out about that in the beginning as well. Um, And so it's interesting now. It's like, they're, they're doing the creative things, the things that we always thought were innately ours, innately human um, and they're writing for us and they're making art, um, even though they are utilizing art and writing that has already been made to do that. Um, so I think it's it's a totally new horizon as far as like how we approach new technology. I don't think that it's new that we would be skeptical, skeptical of new technology, but... Um, oh, well, we're fearful of new technology. Right. We have been for years. Always, right? People 
freaked out about the first like, caveman newspapers. that pointed a stick was you know feared by by his. <laughs> rest of his, <laughs> his cavemates. Right. Um, one one thing I find interesting about the whole advancements of of AI is so for many years we have the self checkouts. Um, they're in grocery stores, they're in Target, they're in gas stations. The self checkout machines that bypass human interaction. And there's so many things in our daily lives anymore that really take out any real sense of human interaction. Even text and email doesn't really have a true human interaction. With the development of AI, one thing that I think is interesting and almost terrifying is it's bringing back a sense of human interaction, but it's not real. Yeah, and I think that I I was reading an article this morning, and I think that we'll, I think that we'll be able to pick up on that. I think that as people begin to like in, like integrate the use of AI in their like blog posts or in their writing or even in their art, like we're gonna get a sense of oh hey this isn't generate this isn't made by a human this isn't original this is clearly generated, um, and maybe we'll it'll finally take us to that precipice of like oh we need more human interaction in our lives we actually need that authentic piece because we're going to get bored with it. Like if AI can only create or recreate what's been created before, eventually what's new and different and fresh is really going to stand out. But isn't one of the parts of artificial intelligence, its ability to self-learn, its ability to grow. And if we are, are, are taking it at an early step where if we have something produced by AI and we can tell that there's just something a little bit individual attention to the detail that's really going to draw that brand out, you can tell these things. But as it develops and we use it more, does that not create more for it to grow from? Right. Is, are, are we going to end up at a point where you can't differentiate. I've already heard or seen articles from teachers saying that assigning essays anymore seems a fruitless endeavor because a student can go online into an AI generator, put in the subject and the parameters and have a five page paper with annotations and a bibliography and everything with doing no work. Right. And not only that, but they can say, can you write that from the voice of a fifth grader using fifth grade vocabulary? And so then it gets to the point where it's even less discernible. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, maybe there's a chance that we're underestimating uh, the AI's ability to learn. And I think that would make sense psychologically for us, like interacting with something completely new to us. Um, Yeah. And that's just like one of those. Who knows? Like none of if if you haven't programmed it yourself, like so do you know what it's capable of. And here we go. I have a variety of concerns. <laughs> as as somebody who works in the art field, we are seeing people people who have already been buying their art from Target or Hobby Lobby, right? Now able to go online and get something more personal and more individualized, yet still not benefiting an actual living, breathing artist who wants to do this for a living. 
as a voiceover artist, I have already been approached by somebody who wanted me to read a 90-minute script into an AI generator so that they could use my voice for absolutely any script they produce without having to have me read it. We have essays, we have blog posts, we have all kinds of things developed by a computer that are now cutting out that human factor. Right. So right now a lot of that stuff is free and that freaks me out. Yeah. And even the more complicated stuff is not priced high. Yeah, no, it's all extremely accessible. So what do we in our fields do to counteract that? I think that it presents an opportunity for people to really step up and be authentic and, and I mean, we're not going to stop, right? Like writers aren't going to stop writing. Poets aren't going to stop creating poetry. Painters aren't going to stop painting. Um, you're, you're no longer competing in a market that, you know, is you versus another artist or you versus another writer. Um, although I think that that comes down to really looking at like lack mentality anyway. Like if we, if we believe that like what we are producing or creating has a purpose in the world, then creating it automatically, like there, if we're creating it for a purpose, you're not going to not have an audience just because AI is there. Like, I don't know, and maybe that comes to more of like a self-purpose, like spiritual like concept for me. But like when you're creating something because it's your passion, because it's something that's like imbued within you, like you're creating it because there is something for you on the other side of that. And so it's difficult for me to think like, oh, AI is going to come in here and put all the artists or all the writers or all the, you know, all the voiceover artists, all the everybody out of work because... We were still born with that purpose and that passion. So there has to be a reason for it to still exist. I have so many counterpoints. I'm sure. And, and, and I'm sure. questions that come out of this. So, and it, it, they're popping into my head as you were speaking. Um, one, one part with streaming music. Yeah. For example, when streaming music first started happening, there was the split between this is going to be the death of the CD and recorded music and no, no, we'll always survive. And now we're adding AI music because you can go into a website and say, I want a song written for my spouse, partner, whoever that talks about these things and it will generate a quote unquote new song for you out of those parameters we we have as it is gone so far beyond the recorded music because of streaming and musicians unless they're huge are struggling because of it uh i've i've read so many things that the best thing you can do for a local band right now is buy their t-shirt because they're going to get more money from you buying their t-shirt than from you streaming a hundred hours of their music on Spotify. Right. So 
if we've already gone that way with music, right? what's to stop us from going that way with the whole advent of AI? I don't think there's anything stopping it. Okay, next counterpoint or question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shotgun these out at you for now. How do you appeal to the people that don't want to deal with a person? Um, so as a person who doesn't like dealing with people, um, like, you know, I've heard for, for years, like older generations complaining about like the self-checkouts, for instance, I love self-checkouts. I exclusively use self-checkouts because I don't want to, like, I want to be able to like go to the store, grab my things and get out of there and not have to worry about it. Uh, because I have anxiety, right. And like social situations are weird for me and like, I prefer not to have that social interaction. However, I guess I need a specific like scenario from you. Like, are you talking about in terms of, because I don't, I think when it comes to like, if we're talking about uh, marketing content or blog posts or something, people are going to be able to tell what's just standard regurgitated information and what's a personal story. Well, let's go back to that idea of graphic design and the logo. Say mm -hmm. we are starting a new podcast called I Have a Variety of Concerns and we want a logo for our podcast. Right. I'm like you. I don't necessarily want to deal with people right. if I don't have to, although I do constantly all the time. It's something that if I had the option, I may take the option to avoid it. Right. I have worked with graphic designers on logos and things like that before, and the back and forth can become tedious. Right. And I, I mean, any of the graphic designers that are listening to this that I've worked with, it's not you. I have heard horror stories from people working with graphic well, they designers. they feel the same way. Like, well, they do. I right, know. And yeah. I've heard the horror stories from the graphic designers standpoint as yeah. well. So if you don't want to deal with that, well, no, I'd really rather see it like this. Well, I think that this back and forth type of thing you go into a generator and say, I want a logo that does this, and it creates something. It's still probably not going to be exactly what you want. And, you know, then that determines, or then that's based on, like, how much you're going to interact with it to, like, try to get that. You're still going to be interacting with something. I think you're going to be interacting with an interface that then you have to, like, learn how to communicate with however the AI was written to like mm. say, oh, smooth this corner or use a lighter shade of blue or, you know, and then at that point, you know, you might as well be doing part of the design yourself, which is probably, I mean, the way that these tools are being used now, that's basically what it is, right? So like marketers are going in and saying, uh, generate me a list of 10 topics that are currently being searched about xyz and the list comes up and that gives you something to work off of but you're not just using that raw material you're using it to like maybe save yourself some time or cut some corners in the research um but you're not generally i mean with the exception of like the essays i guess if you're just gonna copy and paste that and turn it in um but a lot of times like you're you're really just asking it for information that you're going to then have to tweak um obviously that could evolve to a point where it's more intuitive but Sure. And 
to your point earlier, both of our points earlier, you can tell that there's maybe something cold about AI-generated content. Right. It doesn't have that real human touch that you can expect from certain things. I, I guess my concern, my fear, is those people who maybe don't recognize those elements as well or don't want to mess with it, for lack of a better phrase, going in and now we just end up with logos or graphic design all over the place that leaves us without a sense of feeling. I think that... I think that the actual market, like the actual human market, won't allow that to happen too much. I mean, we, we already, I think that's being you already see that to an extent. I mean, you know, we can apply the same theory to like the people who buy their art from Ikea or Target, like, or, you know, just basic commercialized art. Like, are those people buying commercialized art? Does that really hurt, like, the, the individual, the, the local artist, because I don't think that the people with those eye, like that eye for art, the people who appreciate commercialized art, aren't necessarily the market that the local artists are selling to. And I think it's the same way, it's going to be the same way or is the same way with the AI generated content. Like the people who are thinking that it's acceptable to just generate an image, generate a logo and then use that, um, knowing or maybe not recognizing that it's cold, there, there's they're going to feel the, the results of that, if that makes sense. It does, but only to an extent, because if the market becomes flooded, at what point do we become numb to the old idea of cold logo? I think at some point you do become numb to it, but I think that there's also something about beauty and the human spirit and the way that we look for aesthetics just naturally that will want more, will want for more, and then we'll be looking to seek it out. So AI is going to spark the next renaissance. Wouldn't that be Because we'll cool? end up with 10 years of cold, artificially generated art, and then everybody will crave more. Right. We'll just go into the like creative dark ages real quick, and then we'll come out and have a renaissance and... Don't have to worry about it anymore. Fun and terrifying, all at the same <laughs> all at the same time. Uh, another question for you: the gig economy. Okay. Does AI help or hurt the gig economy? I don't know. I think probably. I I think that there's no yes or no answer for any of this. I think that you know, whereas you have a variety of concerns, there are a variety of perspectives to look at these things from. Um, well, what the per what, what's the purpose of a podcast if it's not discussing the right. different perspectives? So, like, do we have a specific question? Um, like, the gig economy, like Grubhub, or the gig economy, like, freelance writing, or... Well, uh, most immediately, it's going to be the freelance writing style right. of the gig economy. But I think we go beyond that because there are companies experimenting with drone delivery. Right. Um, what is it? Uh, Domino's, I think, has robot delivery bots right. somewhere. There's yeah, a local cars restaurant that have been like that attacked has... by like people and completely destroyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, I mean, there's a local restaurant that has a robot that's delivering food to tables. Yeah. Um, does anybody really want to wait tables? Well, or deliver pizzas? Like, is that anybody's dream job? 
like maybe there's a couple of people. I tell you, my first job, <laughs> my, my first job was a pizza delivery driver. If you ask my father, my first job was as a circular nutrition distribution specialist. Okay. That's fun. <laughs> That's super fun. Would you quit this job to go be a delivery driver again? Like, Well, no, of course not. But if we start... So if we start removing checkout lanes mm -hmm. for self-checkout right. and start removing uh, server positions for robots and delivery positions for drones and automated vehicles and the like, uh, that it removes so many of these introductory jobs that people start out with. Right. Like, no, was pizza delivery driving my favorite thing in the world to do ever in my life? Absolutely not. But would I trade it for anything else? Not necessarily. I, I, there and why was did you have that, that job? I, like you had that job because you were young and you were broke and you needed money. So you took a like an introductory level job because like for survival reasons, right? Right. So if AI continues to... Uh, leech into all of our career fields and take everybody's jobs, um, what will we do? How will we provide for ourselves? Like, obviously, like, the government isn't going to stop the, like, the rise of the AI. They're going right? to build a wall. <laughs> They're going to build a wall. <laughs> We're going to have Hunger Games, people. Right. So, I mean, they're eventually going to have to come out with something like a universal income or something if it continues to really take everybody's jobs. But I think that we evolve. That's a giant. Step I know. I know it is. But I, I, I honestly think that eventually that's where this will take us to. Like if you really play it all the way to the end, there's not going to be anything that AI can't do as far as like necessary infrastructure tasks and positions and then all we'll have left is like you know creative exploits and then probably people killing each other because <laughs> that's what people do with their free time like, bleak holy smokes the optimist in me says that everybody's going to be like writing poetry and painting and singing songs but i know that like that's not everybody's psychology so like crime robots are you're not the not robots committing crime but you know, no, 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 no. The ones catching go. the crime, they're going to have a lot to no, do. No, no, I'm, I'm sure. going to go with the cr robots committing <laughs> crime because now we are AI has developed to the point where the robots are now thieving from other robots. Right. They're 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 the they're the, <laughs> that's uh, the they're the old humans. I mean, that's, that's what we're the doing. That we're right. Gonna like see. they're going to get mad that they came in and they took over all of our jobs, and now they have to do all the work, and then they're going to develop like. The, screwy psychology that we have that you know has like greed and envy and like reasons to steal from other people because ai is gonna hate we're their going jobs. down that road i don't know that we're ready to hit that road <laughs> just yet that's a conversation for a little bit later Probably. Um, <laughs> is terminator a reality um so in this scenario and you know don't get me wrong. I'm all for, you know, a Starfleet Federation style of existence where money is no longer necessary and I can walk up and say, tea, Earl Grey hot, and I get a cup of tea. But, so, I'm older than you. Yeah. By a little bit. And I have 
lived through what I, I am going to call a decline in work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, where I grew up, where we are, was at one point heralded for their work ethic. Absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've worked at a variety of call centers that existed because of the work ethic in this community. They no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when I'm out and doing things, I'm going to sound like the get off my lawn person. I realize that, but the people I interact with at stores or restaurants or whatever it is, they don't have the same level of customer service or of work ethic that existed 25 years ago when I entered the job market. Right. And I guess a kind of an offshoot concern of some of this AI stuff and the reduction of some of these menial intro level jobs is without those experiences are our young people going to have the opportunities for development experience in that vein. So as somebody who pretty much unschools her children and allows them to pursue their own interests, I come across a really similar question when it comes to like their education, which is like if they don't have um, set assignments in front of them, if you're not benchmarking what they're working on, are they going to advance? Are they going to, um, are they going to have enough motivation to like withstand difficult things in their life is one of my concerns. Um, and what I've read and what I've seen through my kids is that self-motivation is what really empowers all of us to keep, you know, moving towards whatever it is that we're moving towards. So, and and we motivate better when we're self-motivated. I think that um, the work ethic of previous generations um, was, has broken, has basically been the broken will of like capitalism just crushing people uh, for so long. And I think that we will get to a point where, um, especially with the, and I think this is where like it becomes the assistance of AI, where people are really able to do the things that they are self-motivated to do. And nobody has to have their will broken to quote unquote have a good work ethic to do the undesirable jobs anymore. Um, you know, there are people who like cleaning houses, who will clean houses if they live in a society where they are paid a fair wage to be able to do that for somebody else. Like there are people who do want to like babysit your kids or teach your kids or, you know, wash your car or fix things on your houses. There are people who enjoy making furniture just for the sake of doing it. Um, I think that we've gotten to a point that most people are pretty far removed from those those lines of passion in their lives and from their work is removed from those things. And it keeps them from doing them because, you know, the guy down the corner who makes really cool chairs can't make a living making really cool chairs because the market isn't oriented in that way. Um, but if the market as we know it is is taken care of with AI, then that opens up opportunities 
for him to be able to provide for his community by making those chairs. I don't know if, if I circled back around to that properly. I understand. No, the con- yeah, I understand. Like, I totally understand the concern for, um, you know, what seems to be a lack of work ethic. Um, but I, I really do think that the solution there is giving people the opportunity to do the things that they want to do. Then you don't have to convince people to wake up in the morning and go to work or because they're already doing it. They already want to wake up in the morning and do what they're going to do. It's just allowing people the freedom and also supporting them enough to say like, hey, like you have a skill set here, let's explore that. Um, and allowing them to provide for their community in that way. Most of us have been told that our big contributions to our community is through our tax dollars. And so the most money that you can make in whatever career to become successful is more money that you can pump into your community, which can make things better. Um, but that's unfulfilling for most people. So so we've delved into a whole societal structure <laughs> thing here. Go figure. Which, <laughs> it's not surprising at all. So an offshoot on the same topic and idea. Um, one thing, it combinationally... Uh, that a word we're going to call it a word um tied with work ethic but not work ethic because i understand what you're saying about work ethic Mm -hmm. but an offshoot of that is interpersonal communication skills we as a society through technology and that being anything from email and text to the self-checkouts to AI, everything else, we have less interpersonal communication needed for our daily tasks, Mm -hmm. but that seems to make it all the more glaring when we interact with somebody that doesn't have interpersonal communication skills or basic customer service skills. Right. And we're seeing that a lot currently and... It's something that's recognized as a combination of burnout because people are working too hard. Um, The whole nobody wants to work mentality uh, pervading so many people, which makes them angry with the people that they're interacting with. And then the people they're interacting with get angry because this person's treating them poorly. And it becomes this downward spiral. Yeah. How do we break that cycle going back to the idea of losing some of those intro jobs that teaches you those customer service skills. So ideally we, you know, we live in a society that has a public school system that would ideally like help to promote interpersonal communication. Um, Obviously not everybody goes through that system. Um, well, and I can have comments all over that. <laughs> and, because, you know, you go in and you're told to sit down and shut up. So, like. Right. So, so the public school system is is designed to pump the information into, the, into our students mm-hmm. and get them out with a certain level of in, information. Right. I have many friends who are teachers. They don't have time. No anymore to spend on that interpersonal well no because they're being told they need to teach to a test and they've got to right yeah 
And so I think what I, I think what I'm getting at with the whole work ethic thing is not so much you do the job and you do it well no matter what because you have to do the job. Mm-hmm. But that that sense of I need to do it. Like a work, well. work, like a pride in your work. Right. Well, so that, yeah, kind of a pride in your work. But also, if you are working retail mm-hmm. and you have poor work ethic because it's a retail job, you don't really want to be there, you want to be doing something else with your time, and therefore you have no impetus to cause you to have positive interaction with your customers. Those are the areas that I fear we end up lacking. And it's less the notion, okay, I'm Gen X. We hated everything, right? Right. But we went at it because we were taught by the baby boomers that that's what we had to do. We were just angry about it. Right. We still were able to develop customer service right and i think that like our generation is like hey it really sucks that people treat me like crap so i'm just not going to do that anymore right because the energy exchange isn't equal i think overall so where do we start that and where do we end that so because you well you have to pay your employees no, 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 no. I'm not even going there. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going there. Right. It, like, because we're, we're, we're told over and over again through memes and everything else that you never know what happened to somebody this morning. Right. So you can't assume that they're going to be in the happiest place. Right. But. Maybe like, the solution what, is, is that we. Uh, I just want people to be good humans to each right. other. Like, and I think, <laughs> you know, I've been in a really crappy mood and been rude to people in public uh, because I had a bad day. Um, but I, overall, I don't think of myself as a crappy person or a bad person. And it would really suck if the only interaction that person had with me was that one day. Um, but I think if we're self-aware enough to know, like, hey not everybody's going to be cheerful and happy-go-lucky with me every day. Like, maybe we just need to drop the expectation a little bit that everybody's going to have sunshine and rainbows for you all the time, and it's not personal. Like, if we know that about ourselves, can we accept that about the person who's standing across from you at the counter who you know their job sucks. Like I go to McDonald's and I'm super nice to those people because I remember what it was like to be that kid. I don't expect them to be kind to me because I know their job sucks and I wouldn't want to be sitting there with them. Uh, And so I I wonder if that issue isn't just a societal expectation that we kind of have to get over. Like, does everybody have to be sunshine and rainbows all the time for them to be considered a kind or a good person? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no. But I don't expect sunshine and rainbows from everybody. Right. I, I do and will always expect at least a base level of decency. Right. And I think and that that's I see understandable. that people fail that line a lot more frequently than they used to. Hmm. I don't know if I can speak to it because I haven't observed it, but also I'm rather, I'm a hermit. 
I don't leave my house that much. So (laughs) (laughs) it might just not be something I'm perceiving because I'm not out there. Um, Also, I mean, I think it's tricky because obviously we're in a market right now where people feel like they have to keep their employees, even if they're not reaching the benchmark. But as a business owner, if you have somebody working for you who's just like not being decent for your customers, like you have a responsibility to yourself and to your own business to like fire that person, obviously. And and then that's how they hopefully will learn like, hey, you can't run around being a jerk to customers because if you want this job, because then you're not going to have a job. Well, just then. natural consequences, right? Yes, but <laughs> that's that's the problem in in the current you know job market is that there are more jobs available than people going out and working. Right. So you have all these employers who are taking what they can get. Right. And I think that to some extent it does come down to training. You know what what level of time and effort these employees employers are willing to put in, or that they have. A lot of times they don't employee. have the time to train them. Right, right. I don't know. I, that, so I think much. these are real <laughs> issues. No, I think these are definitely real issues, and I, I, there are a multitude of ways to, to look at them and to come at them. Um, and especially when it comes to like what we're seeing with the restaurant industry, like service is just down the toilet. Right. Like, you know, their costs to get supplies are super high if they can even get things. Um, you know, what is everything that we're seeing say about that industry even sticking around or making through it. You know, I, I would not want to be in the shoes of a restaurant owner right now having to make a decision of like, do I keep a bad employee just to have an employee who's probably hurting my business or do I not have an employee and then have to figure out how my existing employees are going to fill that role and then burn out? Like there's way too much to balance there. And I don't think that we've gotten to a point where we can really figure out what balance is out there. Well, and I think I need to point out too that uh, I, I fully recognize that it's a two-way street. It is not, I'm not, I'm not going to go into a store and be a jerk to the clerk and when the clerk is not perfectly nice to me, further take it out on that clerk. Right. Like in general, I think people need to be more decent to each other. And that's not sunshine and rainbows, but it goes back to the idea that a smile is infectious. I I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with somebody in a customer service capacity as, as a customer who is clearly having a bad day. And I will try to be a little bit more pleasant and maybe joke with them a little bit. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time I get some glimmer of, Oh, thank you. Right. Like they don't actually say it, but their, their body language and their, their voice indicates that it's thank you for understanding. I'm not a terrible person. And I leave it and they 
greet the next person a little bit better than they greeted me. Right. And I, there needs to be more of that. Right. I agree. AI is taking that away. <laughs> See, now I'm wrapping it back. <laughs> Had to go back. So maybe AI just needs to be a little bit more cheerful when they're welcoming us at the self-checkout. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> okay, sure. But so wait, I'm going, I'm going on this. I'm going on this because... Thanks to social media, we know that when you're not dealing with a person face-to-face, people turn into horrible creatures when they're behind a keyboard and not actually having to deal with somebody. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the way, like, some people will interact with, like, self-checkout or, like, uh, I don't know, like, Alexa? I So, I already, like, I'm super freaked out by Alexa and I don't like my kids, like... That's interacting with it at our house conversation but <laughs> i have like gotten on them about speaking rudely to alexa i'm just like that's not very nice like don't talk to the robot like that and i haven't quite discerned whether like that's just me trying to teach them to be polite or if there's also like a deep-seated fear that like alexa might remember <laughs> and come back for them one day it's like crows crows have an amazing memory right. you don't want to you know, anger a crowd. Right. I think we need to be careful with the AI. Like, you know, it, it could be all powerful. We don't know. So, so anybody who has ever sworn at the self checkout and yelled at it and, and gotten angry with a self checkout, they're on machine, a list. They're on a list. Yeah. And so when the robot rise happens, which is inevitable, yes, they're going to be the first ones taken out. The rest of us are just going to be our, the happy slaves they're going to be the ones tortured. Yeah. yeah. We may not always see everything the same That's way, but that we agree on. <laughs> I think that pretty well covers this topic, at least for this episode. It is more than likely going to come back once again. If you listen to us, and we actually publish this, if you listen to us, thank you for sticking with us. This has been I Have a Variety of Concerns. My name is Justin. I'm Shandell. Have a wonderful day. Be nice to your AI. And be, you know, at least baseline decent to each other. Thanks for listening to a little bit of Havoc. Until next time, remember. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I Have a Variety of Concerns is hosted by Justin and Chandel and brought to you by Prairie Fire Studios and More Than Music of Minot, North Dakota. If you've enjoyed this journey down the rabbit hole and would like to follow us down the next one, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review or subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. It's fine. 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 It's fine.